Cleared my throat now. I'm good. Did you get it? Whatever it was. Yeah. Well, then let's just get right down to it. Okay. Cool. And go. Dads and moms, you're listening to Modern Dadhood. What do you think about that as a start? I think we should do it like that every time. Well, what is Modern Dadhood? Uh, the listeners may be asking themselves, and I'll tell you, it's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad. In this moment, and my name is Mark Checkett, and I'm a dad to twin five-year-olds. My name's Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad to two daughters who are nine and six. Nine, six, five, and five. You have two girls. I have two boys. Yep. I'm just just putting it in the logbook. For any parents listening, if this is the first episode of Modern Dadhood, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. We hope you enjoy what we have in store for you. For all the repeat listeners, you already know what to expect. But uh, thanks for coming back. We really appreciate it. It's really nice to see you again. We would encourage any of you listening to subscribe to Modern Dadhood wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please consider clicking over and giving us a quick rating and a review and telling a friend about Modern Dadhood because that's what helps us to continue growing this thing. How are you, my friend? I am exhausted, if I'm being honest. I'm on, you know, the little the little needle is just resting on the letter E well, in let's, my soul right now. Let's push through, because I have a question that may be sort of pertinent to your situation right oh, now. Oh, okay. You've got a lot going on with work. I know, I know work is busy for you. I know you just got back from a fun weekend away, but even a fun, relaxing weekend Mm. still has some travel involved. It's still long days. There's still work that goes into it. Our guest today is uh, someone who I chatted with a few days ago. You were not able to be present for it, um, but it was an, an awesome chat with an entrepreneur named Young Han. And one of the things that we talked about is uh, Young has a pretty declarative feeling about the concept of work-life balance, which may be uh, a a bit polarizing to some. I think it's really interesting. But Mm. coming back to your situation, when you are so busy with work and you got travel coming up and you're doing long days. Do you find that it's harder for you to be present with your family when you're not working? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which also leads to a feeling of guilt, you know, as well. Like, I mean, tonight is a perfect example because now my kids get home around uh, 4.30 they go to camp and so mm-hmm. they get home around 4 30 so i'm i'm still very much like in the the thick of it uh with work uh oftentimes like i was tonight in fact on a call with several people and they come pitter pattering in and they stand right next to me and they want to talk to me and i kind of have to just put the hand up and be like in a minute just give me daddy needs a couple minutes still and which all, feels, but your which, all your work people are like oh that's so cute 
Oh, I mean, so sometimes when it's just co-workers, just colleagues, it's a fun thing. Yeah. You know, we all talk for a second and I, I ask the boys if they remember who's who, cause they see a lot of the same faces. Um, and sometimes it's just the wrong time to be, you know, I'll say like interrupted mm-hmm. in that moment, mm-hmm. but I really want to give them my attention, but I just, I can't, you know? And so I have to say through like one ear, I have to be like, Oh, I love you. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad you're home. Go away now. <laughs> Do, <laughs> yeah. Go find something else to do. And then I'll see you as soon as I can, you know, and then, in, and then an hour goes by and then I go and I sit down and I'm like, how was your, how was your day? But I'm like, I'm also just cataloging the things right in my mind. Did I do the thing? Did I do that thing? Did I finish that? Oh shit. I forgot that email. I gotta have to send that after, you know? And so I'm, I'm not fully present there either. And so, you know, when you're talking about a, a balance, you know, right now it's just, it feels like, it feels like both sides of the scale are, are both weighed down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, yeah. I'm having a little bit of trouble actually lately. You know, people tend to think of like their device as the thing that pulls them out of being present. Mm-hmm. But to your point, like for me, it's sometimes it's just, I am, I am there and I am trying to be present, but still yeah. my mind is somewhere yeah. else. I will make it a point. Like if I bring my phone over there, I'm going to open up teams and I'm going to open up outlook and I'm going to bang through some stuff while I'm sitting there. So, so I try to leave my phone here at my desk, but yeah, it's still, I'm writing emails in the back of my mind, or I'm thinking of the idea, you know, for the campaign that we've got to write out tomorrow, whatever it is, um, is still kicking around in the old, the old dustbin up there. What's happening for me now is I'm, I'm in this inflection point is what it feels like. There was a, there's a kind of a change at work. There's sort of a change at home in that our schedule shifted and then they're going to go to daycare to, to, um, kindergarten in the fall. And I know that's coming. And, you know, I just, my, my systems for organizing my thoughts and moving from one task to another, but they don't apply anymore. So I need like I need some new systems. I, I I don't know that I can put my finger on it. What does uh What does Young have for me? Well, I, I do want you to hear the interview, but I did find it interesting that even people who are you know very successful business people who sort of function at this very high level and you know have to be disciplined at least when it comes to work have to be very disciplined about the time that they put into things and have to be very efficient even they struggle with how to prioritize being present when mm-hmm. they're not working that's the thing with work too like once you open that floodgate of i'm just going to fire off an email at 5am mm-hmm. or or I'm going to respond to somebody at 7 p.m. It's it's hard to walk back from that once the people around you, you know, have experienced that from you. For me, I do the same thing. Like for the last few years, I've been getting up at 5 a.m. And mm-hmm. it, I like that time. I like having that extra hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours before anybody else is up because I can be very productive. And the sort of motivation behind it is 
if I put in this time, like I can, if I put in this hour, hour and a half now, right. I can afford to be a little bit more flexible later in the day. And what typically happens is I still do my eight hours of work. So now I'm just doing nine or 10 hours of work in a day as opposed to the eight. So it sort of backfires on me and I'm not sure how to walk that back either. Yeah. And I feel, you know, with, with this, this sort of new found, you know, hybrid work from home, sort of those of us that have the ability to do that, I still think on the whole, it's a positive. I am around in the, I'm not, I'm not running off to get in the car to drive the 35, 45 minutes, you know, to the office. So I can't take the kids to school and I'll miss dinner probably because I'm commuting back home. Like, but it is tough figuring out how best to navigate now that there aren't these rigid, like, nope, got to get out of the office at this time. It's just, it's a lot more nebulous office hours, desk hours. Thing is, I do see people who I work with creating much more clear boundaries. I know Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to get an email back from them at 9 p.m. I know that they're not going to be on Slack. They're going to be away. That's just not really how I work. But doesn't it piss you off just a little bit? It makes me wish that I was better at doing that myself. (laughs) You know, yeah. Well, this makes me psyched for you to hear the chat that I had with young Han a couple days ago. Um, he's a successful entrepreneur. He is a very down to earth guy. He's also a girl dad yet like I am. And he hosts a podcast called the girl dad podcast, which I've been enjoying. So I recognize that you are really busy right now. So, um, as corny as it sounds, I want to say, I appreciate that you've made time to hop on tonight. Oh man. It's important part of my, uh, what's the word, you know, it's cathartic, you know, this is a cathartic thing for me. So, well, same, I can make it work. Same Z's. And I'm excited to dive into this chat with young. Let's roll tape. Young Han is a dad of two daughters. He has several businesses of his own, but has ownership in many other businesses. And Young will explain that model uh, when we get into it. He's also the host of the Girl Dad podcast, where Young and his guests discuss building your business or building your career while not losing sight of building and strengthening your family. So I'm excited to chat about that too. Young, thank you so much for joining us today. Adam, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we're like kindred spirits as we both try to create content around being dads. So your LinkedIn profile says serial puzzler and it says coffee fanatic. (laughs) Uh, I'm a big coffee person. I'm not an aficionado of coffee, but I, but I do drink a lot of it. And I'm wondering like coffee fanatic, how, how much are we talking about on a given day? Oh man, I, it's not the quantity anymore. I mean, I used to drink quite a bit, but I think ever since I hit 40, I just like the acid on it, like kills me. And I, I buy like really expensive coffee. I, I buy it from Phil's coffee and pay that premium dollar for it just to have the lower acidity. But even then I can't, I can't do more than two cups a day, but the coffee fanatic comes from the fact that I just love coffee, the growing of it to the harvesting process to, you know, the roasting process to, you know, the brewing processes and, 
And then obviously the consumption of it is um, delicious and um, I love the physiological effects of it. And I also just love the cultural aspects of it. I love, you know, the societal um, norms that come with getting coffee with a friend, you know, and what that means and connotates. And so from from tree, cherry to, you know, experience and relationships and everything in between, I just love coffee. I love it. Well, your your love for coffee goes much deeper than mine, which is mostly just my body uh, requires it to start in the morning and uh, and it just kind of keeps going in until about lunchtime. And then I try to switch over to water, but it doesn't always work. I love it. Yes, that's a, that's also you're also a coffee fanatic. I think that's just good enough to qualify as a fanatic. So I've been uh, I've been listening to some of the Girl Dad podcast and really enjoying it. But for the benefit of our listeners, I'd love to just have you share a bit about what uh, inspired you to start the Girl Dad podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I will say that the impetus or the origin story for it was simply that I became a dad and I loved working and I started to struggle a lot with like being a better dad than my dad was, right? Like I wanted to be a, an upgrade. I wanted to be an evolution. My dad was, I think, a better for a dad than his dad. And I wanted to do that for my kids. And inevitably, I kept running into this issue of like time. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that got to that conclusion. So I'm kind of short shorthanding the the research process. But it basically boiled down to you sacrificing time to spend with your kids in quality and quantity or time to build your career quality and quantity. And I just was like struggling with it. And I'm like, how do I do both of these things well? And it was just like always came down to this conflation of time. And I'm like, why am I trying to figure this out? There are like millions of successful parents out there. I should just start asking them. And I started asking, I'd say half a dozen. I got six people to talk to me about, you know, how they were a venture capitalist and they raised two normal kids. And I, I interviewed a chief of police. Uh, I interviewed politicians. I interviewed mm. uh, executives, entrepreneurs of billion dollar companies. Like I've interviewed CEOs and CEO. I just started interviewing a wide variety of six people. And the answers were unbelievably crazy different. You know, some people said, hey, I slowed down my career for four years. I took a pay cut. I got became a director I'm, and then I moved back to the C-suite, like all the way to I outsource everything. I make so much money. It's cheaper for me to pay someone $60 an hour to go teach them math or drive, pay them $40 an hour to drive them to this and that. And then I'll spend a concentrated six hours of like quality time to teach them values and skills. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the most mechanical way I've ever thought of parenting. Right. And I've and everything in between. Right. I started sharing these stories with my friends and telling them how people are parenting and navigating success in parenting. And the response was like visceral. Everyone was like, you shouldn't do that. That's a terrible way to parent. Or like, oh my God, I can't believe they chose to do that. Or no, that's terrible. You shouldn't sacrifice your career. Everyone's emotion was like so visceral. And like everyone had this like immediate response to it. Almost everybody that I told these stories to and all these gradients and shades of parenting had a visceral response to their value prop or that person's value prop on it. And that's the genesis of the podcast. It's so interesting that uh, everybody that you spoke with about the different ways that they approach balancing their time had these strong opinions on it. I feel like in generations before us, they just weren't even really considering it. They were just playing the role. They were going to work. They were coming home. They were doing the things that mom did or dad did. And that was life. And now I mean, Mark and I talk about this all the time, that even if we're not doing everything like 
quote unquote, the right way. We're learning as we go and we're like mindful of it. And we're thinking about being present and we're thinking about our own wellness and how to raise good quality human beings. So even if you totally disagree now with the way that somebody's approaching being a parent uh, or choosing how to prioritize their time, that person that you're critiquing is still is still aware of it and thinking about it and making their decisions based on something, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. I, I equate it a lot to the evolution conversation, right? It's like my dad, you know, grew up in a war stricken country, right? And so he grew up in a world where he was a kid and his dad's major focus was, are you going to be alive? Are you going to have food? Are, you know, it's like the Mavlov hierarchy of needs, right? Like it's just a different state in time. And so the best thing that he could do for his family was a much lower level of the Mavlov hierarchy of needs where my dad, you know, when he immigrated to the United States was able to, you know, basically allow for that to be not a problem. And, and then he could start working on the next level of things. Right. And so it's like an evolution of like things that he can provide that were more. And I'm kind of at the next level of that because now there's more things that I can be conscious of, right? Like how's the mental health of my kids? How is this impacting, you know, their success rate or what I want? You know, the, the, the questions that I get to ask are very luxurious questions. And I think that, um, you're absolutely right. It's just the time and era is, has changed and allowed us to be better parents, uh, not better parents, but, um, um, more thoughtful parents because better parents is not the right word because they were the best parents they could be in the time. Right. Right. It was limiting factors that allowed them to be the best they could be. And that was what it was. But because we have all these luxuries and uh, technologies and systems, we now have the option and the ability to do more variability and uh, think about this more philosophically and, uh, and qualitatively, which is uh, I think why these conversations are so important. I love that you have a podcast about it. Well, thanks. And and likewise to you. Uh, we usually <laughs> actually kick off these conversations by asking, how are things going? How? Yeah. Tell me about your daughters. Yeah. Uh, how, how is life for young in fatherhood right now? Oh, man, it's 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 a hot mess. I just uh, I just told you this a little bit earlier, right? like two minutes before we started. Yeah. Um, I know you were just asking innocuously, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. it's terrible. <laughs> I have been uh, doing really good overall. And then um, it's been really hard for me uh, mechanically inside the last few weeks. Um, I know you alluded to it in my introduction, but I may have gotten too close to the sun, you know, uh, as, so to speak, as, a, as an analogy of Icarus, right? But I think I may have started too many businesses. And um, uh, the issue with having too many businesses is that uh, when three or four of them start to have issues, it, it immediately creates a consumption of time that is not planned. And then uh, it cascades and, and, and all this other stuff. And so I think I need to like slow it down and uh, build better systems for some of them. And then, and then maybe grow as I become a little bit more methodical. I think I'm trying to do things too quickly, too fast. And I need to focus back on the point of all of this is to have quality time with my kids. And you, you just get mired in all of these other things and, and, and life happens, right? And we're not, we're not perfect creatures. And so we inevitably make these mistakes, but I'm doing really good directionally. And then I just got to fix a lot of the stuff that I accidentally put myself into over the last few months here. And then um, as it relates as a, specifically as a dad, I'm doing amazing. My uh, wife took a girl's trip last weekend. And so I got solo time with my girls um, for the first time and... I caution like years. Um, 
my wife, I, I don't think it's that my wife doesn't trust me. Maybe it is that. I, I can't really <laughs> say for sure. She says it's not that, but who knows, right? But she has literally never left the kids. I mean, I think she's left the kids four times yeah. in my enti- in their entire lives. And it seems like it's actually a lot, a lot more common than I realized. There seems to be like a 20 or 30% percentage of women that have like this kind of latch on effect where they don't really do things away from their kids until they're like 12 or 13. And um, it was really fun for her to go and do this. I've been really encouraging her to go do this and and spend some time for herself and do self-care and all this other stuff. Because I had a really big dad epiphany the other month uh, about us living our best life because kids are watching what we do, not what we say. Mm-hmm. And so I started to understand that like, I need to start doing better with self-care and so does my wife because they're benchmarking who they are based on what they're watching, not by what we're telling them to do. Over time, when they're an adult, I want them to measure me based on, at least benchmark you know, what successful marriage and parenting looks like based on not only the fact that I love them and I'm there for them and I'm nurturing them, but also watching me fight to be happy. Absolutely. And and one of the things that you shared specific to that in your most recent episode was that, you know, we're modeling behavior for them, but that also doesn't mean that we are teaching them to want to be exactly like us. Because when you mentioned, you, you know, having a benchmark, it's they may be watching what we're doing and decide because they're their own unique people that, when I grow up, I want to do the opposite of that thing, That's right. which is, which I found really interesting and, and hadn't really considered that before, but it's totally true. It's totally true. I mean, like I just look at it from, you know, anybody that you can ask, but just ask yourself this, like it, it, I can confidently say it's a fact because whether you become your, you become your parents or not, you're still using them as a benchmark, not to become them or using them as a benchmark to become them. Regardless, they're impacting who you are. I think it's so enlightening for me to like really think about that because I was optimizing for financial freedom and time. And now my kid like is going to grow up thinking that life is easy and dad's always available. And that's not true. That is not how the world works. And uh, it's not easy. It's a hard world and you have to fight for what you want. And uh, realizing that I'm like setting them up for failure is really humbling and uh, kind of earth shattering for me because I thought I was being such a great dad by building these assets and having financial freedom and spending all this time with them and attending every innocuous parent teacher thing. Like they're like, you know, this is like about like allergy reviews. Like you don't even need to be here. And I'm like, I'm here. You know, like it's like, so like, it's not, it's not necessary. Not only is it not necessary, there's a part of me that wonders if I was actually hurting the process. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I feel like every parent wants to have clear boundaries between their work life and their home life. Or, I mean, you can divide it down more than that. You can say their own personal passions, you know, being a parent, whatever, but it it can be really hard to do, especially when you kind of get in your head about the more I work, the more financial benefit there will be. And the more money I'm making, the more we can save for the future or do fun things or create these, this experience. But as a result of that mindset, they end up, you know, spending 80 hours a week working and not having the time with their kids. But what you're describing is almost it's a step beyond that, right? It's I have worked to get to the point where I can spend as much time as I want and be as present as I want with my family and 
it almost tips the scale the other way where that could be problematic down the road by just instilling the wrong ideas or values in them. Yeah, I love that uh, you understand what I'm saying, because I just realized that it's probably really confusing because wouldn't you want to be there for your kids all the time? Right. And I should probably preface that a little bit better by just just jumping in. Thank you for doing that, because I just like jumped into my new epiphany, because for me, it's like <laughs> happening in real time. Right. I'm like, yes. kind of like an epiphany in real time and just like realizing that. My entire thesis about, you know, being a good parent is much more complex much more complex. And it's not just about doing everything and providing everything and, and giving everything. It's, it's actually, it's actually the opposite. It's about role modeling who I want them to be like, or at least benchmark against mm-hmm. when they're in a relationship. I'm like thinking about like my girls when they're like 35, they have three kids and they're having marital issues because the kids are straining those relationships, right? Like same things that my wife and I are going through, right? Like it just compounds all these problems. And I want them to see us and go, well, you know what? When things got really bad, you know, mom and dad did things to make sure that they took care of themselves. Uh They did things for themselves. They also did things together and they also took care of us. And I just want them to remember at least that because I don't want them to get stuck in a bad marriage. I don't want them to like not fight to be happy. I want them to understand that all of those things are hard to do, but are necessary to do. And I don't want to just tell them that. I want to show them that. And it is so hard. (laughs) It's so stinking hard to be a good human being. It's so much easier to tell them to be a good human being than it is to be (laughs) like a good human being. It is freaking hard. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's the age difference of your daughter? Six and four. So a year and a half, but uh, uh, two years for about six months. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my girls are nine and six and they are awesome, you know, powerful young women love them to bits and they love each other. They're best buddies, but they also, you know, when when they're together, they're at an age where they're bickering a lot and it's, it's been kind of intense. But the thing that I wanted to bounce back to was again, this idea of balancing your work with everything else in your life. And you can, clearly like you've demonstrated that you can Mm -hmm. prioritize your time with your family and you can, you can build in time. However, I know one of the things that I struggle with personally is still creating that separation. So yeah, maybe I've created a boundary where I'm not going to work after this time of day, let's say on a weekday, but I'm still not always present. And I have a a real problem with that. You know, my family's there and I'm, and I get a a work related text and I got to respond and then I'm pulled into something. And how do you handle that? Is it just like, I'm going on airplane mode, I'm doing nothing work related. What's your strategy for not only creating that time, but actually being present in that time? Yeah, I, uh, I'm amazing at this. No, I'm totally not. (laughs) I, um, it's so fun to like interview all these successful parents because I will say this is split down the middle. Like, and I've interviewed now 50 very, very successful people. And so far it's split directly down the middle and half of them are like, nope, present protected time. And you hyper-focus and, 
it's like this mindset, right? Of like, you know, I'm going to do 45 minutes of like straight disciplined work and then 15 minutes I'm going to break and then do another same thing with my kids. I'm going to, you know, focus that energy on my kids and be present. And that presence and prescience is actually uh, psychologically supposed to be super important, right? It's actually more damaging than we realize. And that's a lot of the new research that's coming out, right? Like this phone syndrome, right? Where like you're with the kid, but they're all, you're also with your phone. So they, they equate that with the distraction and it's like really damaging, but I'm not a scientist and I'm not a child development expert at all. I, uh, you know, so I don't want to like go down that road, but I do, I do know that there's research around this, but I ebb and flow a lot and I just try to my best to qualify it before I do it. So there are times where I'm like, my businesses are great. I have great systems and things are going humming and, um, I can do that. I can basically just say, well, no one really needs me at these places. And so I'm going to go and hang out with my kids and be this you know, awesome that cool. And I could just focus, which is great. But there are times where, you know, for lack of better words, you know, everything falls apart mm-hmm. and I have to work. And I just try to do my best to tell my wife that this is one of those stages, you know, and then in the moment when I'm not present with my kids, I don't not, I'm not great at this, Adam. So like, bear with me when I say it, it sounds good, but it's not perfect every time. But I try to basically say, Hey, I need 10 minutes to work. So they, they know that I'm qualifying that 10 minutes to, to doing something. And mm-hmm. then I can put it down and go back to playing with them. But I don't really do in a, in a, like a linear binary way, like work-life balance. I've never really done that, which is probably why I've never been successful until recently. Um, <laughs> I've, I, my entire career has never been work-life balance. I've never followed that credence. I just like, I've just never believed in work-life balance. I just, I just don't think, I think it's a, I think it's kind of a myth and I think it's a pious goal and it's really not easy or being true to yourself. If you think that you can segment your life into two categories, it's just, it's just weird. I think that, you know, it ends up being uh, pervasive in all, on all aspects. Like if I have a bad fight with my wife, I'm going to be a low performer at work. If I have, you know, a, a really bad sales day at work. I'm going to be a less present father. It just seems weird to even just from that. I mean, those are just that's one mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's like 40 more of those. Just from that one example, I should probably have put a couple of cracks in people's thesis about work-life balance. I feel very confident that I've now, you know, stuck a couple cracks in your in your wall on this thing because it's just not it's not we're not built that way. And so I think the best that you can do is just be the best in the moment and try to educate and qualify, but you need to do what you need to do. Well, let me ask you this. What about in, let's say, the the 70s or 80s? Mm-hmm. Before we had computers, before we had smartphones, and yeah. people, you know, a, a, a majority of people were working sort of traditional business hours and didn't have the opportunity to continue plugging away in the evening or on the weekend. There was a sort of a naturally occurring work-life balance at that point, right? Totally. Totally. I think that that has created the ecosystem that we live in now. Thank mm-hmm. God they did that. Thank, mm-hmm. thank, I thank my father for his sacrifice and his work. And I'm trying to honor him by being a uh, more judicious father that is more thoughtful in this new era and world that he has created for me. He has created the foundation for me to be uh, a different breed of dad. And um, he makes fun of me about it. I mean, 
he thinks it's he thinks I'm a, he, it's crazy. He's like, why do you worry about those things? Like when I was growing up, I didn't do any. I, when I told you to get ready for you get ready for going out, you got ready for going out. Like there's none of this like, you know, like talking to them about it. Like, and I'm like, yeah, but that's the beauty of the generation, you know, like the needs of the uh, of the of the providers to make money and and build the economy back up and create this infrastructure and safety and all these guardrails. You guys created this. And thank God you did, because now I'm able to have more thoughtful and deeper conversations. But I'm also not only able to do that and have a more elevated, you know, fatherhood. I'm also adapting to the fact that this technology is changing the way we work, because this technology is not something that is like, oh, it's just a benefit. It's also a huge negative. And these technologies are creating a lot of pervasive problems, especially with young females. Statistically speaking, it's just like damaging the the, the, the young female gender uh, population at a much more um, enormous rate, right? And so you're also having to adapt to some of these changes. And so I just don't see it as the same thing. And I think that um, when I look at my dad and what he did, I think that was great. I think that's awesome. I love him. I respect him. I think that it's my job now to take upon that and build upon it with what we have now. Yeah, I think it's a great way to think about it. And it makes a lot of sense. I, I guess I'm not even sure really what my what my question is around it, to be honest. I think it's more of this evolution that we were talking about before, where we are now much more thoughtful and mindful about parenting, where everybody's in therapy, we're more in touch with our health and our wellness and and also, perhaps because of the way that technology has evolved, our brains have changed right now. You know, they're, they're, we're constantly seeking the dopamine hit of whatever it is on social media. Yeah. And I wonder if that, you know, just that my instinct is to reach for my phone to see what's going on out there when really I don't care what's happening in the news in this very moment or whether I have an Instagram like or a comment. Mm -hmm. I'm just it might my brain tells me to reach for my phone and look at it. And that pulls me back into work. So I, it again, I'm not sure that I have a question there. It's just an interesting thing to ponder. It is. And I don't think our um you have to remind yourself not to compare yourself to your parents and think of it as a upgrade or an optimization. And that's like the big unlock for me is that like, I'm not trying to be my dad. I'm just trying to be a better parent than my dad was because that's what he would want. And I think that's the beautiful thing about being dads, right? We're probably the, the only people in the world that want you to be better than us. Like, like, I mean, we, we could say that benevolently, but like yeah. truly, truly, if we were honest, like viscerally honest with ourselves. And again, I'm being very vulnerable by saying this, but I, I can guarantee everyone that's listening to this also feels this. They'll just never say it out loud. <laughs> we are naturally selfish people. We're naturally selfish creatures. And, and I think, I think it's safe to say that, you know, if you ever found someone that genuinely wants you to be better than them, it's going to be apparent. I would love to hear you talk uh, a little bit, uh, share with our listeners about Owners Club and sort of speak to that, the model of so that much. business. Yeah, I, re I really appreciate you asking me that. And I forgot to answer it. I apologize. Um, so Owners Club is um, a very, very important passion project for me. I have been uh, really trying to figure out how to build um, these diversified assets. And my favorite one so far has become small business building. And so... I've been on this on this road of building these small businesses out and diversifying through small businesses because my my brain likes it and my heart likes it. As I was building more small businesses, hanging out with small business owners and learning about small business owners and then now coaching small business owners, 
most small business owners are passionate function experts. Mm -hmm. They started this business because they love to make fried chicken. And mm -hmm. they had enough people tell them that their fried chicken was amazing that they should start a business. They love doing, uh, you get what I'm saying, right? Home like, brewing. Home brewing's big here in Southern Maine. There you go, home brewing, that's and right. They, and they turn into these micro breweries and, right. and, uh, and build a, a really passionate following. That's right. And the, the great thing is you become very successful because you're passionate about this thing. And, and people know it and they buy it. And then you look around and you're like, I'm making half a million. I'm making a million. And you're like, I'm societally successful. And then you actually lift up the hood. They're working 90 hours a week. Mm -hmm. and you break down the hourly rate. They're making like 12 bucks an hour. Yep. And so from the outside in, it looks amazing. But from the inside out, you have all of these owners just like drowning in their. They have a very fancy job is what I call it. Yep. And I'm like, oh, they just don't have they don't have camaraderie. They don't have friendships that other business owners are going through and they don't have a reference point to the like, oh, how do you solve for that? Oh, I use a financial model. What's a financial model? Let me send you my template. You use this or hey, I don't have a CRM like, oh, you should use. Let me show you what I use. And like there's just some basic business um, tools and systems that will literally change these people's lives. It's like it's like a two degree nudge, you know, like, hey, you're headed in this direction. If I just nudge, if I could just just nudge you two degrees this way a year from now, you'll be in a completely different state physically, mentally, emotionally. And it's just been a huge eye opener for me. And so I've been coaching these small business owners as well as building my own. And I've realized that I need to do this faster and at scale. And so I created owners club so that I can basically put all these growth minded business owners together so they can like get perspective, share resources, share leads even. Right. It's like, what do we all want? We all want more customers. But it's like you build these relationships with other business owners at scale. And if you're not good at networking now, I just create a vehicle for you to network without even working on it. I'll, I'll build the network for you. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I'm going out there, grabbing owners, putting them in there. And you just have to network and participate in the programming. There's like speed dating. There's business breakthrough sessions. There's all these programming to help you build your business better and network with other business owners. And to be able to do that at scale and, and be able to make these relationships for people is, is what Owners Club is all about. That's amazing. I mean, I'm thinking back to when I started my video production company 12 years ago, you know, and, and grew it for a couple of years and then part, uh, partnered up with somebody else who, you know, had equipment and had clients and we kind of relaunched it. We, we were figuring it out as we went and we learned from our mistakes. But had we had somebody like you who could look at it objectively and say, here's two or three tools that you could use to really optimize things, uh, that could have been a, a, a game changer. And that's that's literally it. It's not um, it's so fun when people finally get like into the program or into the community. We have 35 of us now. We launched end of May. So in six weeks, it's pretty good growth, actually. It's pre I'm pretty happy with it. But it's these like little tweaks and operational like systems that I can help you create to basically make the business work for you. Amazing. Well, uh, dad's listening. You can learn more about Owners Club at owners.club. Please check out uh, The Girl Dad Show. Uh, you can go to thegirldadshow.com where there are links to the podcast on any platform where you can find Modern Dadhood. And Young, I'm looking forward to staying in touch. This was a, a really great chat and I'm excited to continue to follow your success. Oh, thank you for saying that. I hope it stays successful, but I, I also enjoyed this conversation. Everything's been so enjoyable uh, and I can't thank you enough for having me on your show. My pleasure. We'll stay in touch. Oh, 
I have a so that's a thing now. Here, here, here it is. I don't know if any of your kids have ever done this, but one of my kids in particular has, I'll call it like maybe a, a nervous tick, although I don't know that he does it particularly when he's nervous, but I don't know what else to call a nervous tick. What's, what kind of tick is it? Um, it's like a mouth it's, noise. It's like mouth and throat sounds. Um, I, it started maybe, maybe a couple months ago. Um, but particularly around eating too, like he does it in all manner of situations. He does this constant, almost involuntary, like <clears throat> clearing of the throat. Yeah. <clears throat> then that sort of sub- subsided, but then it, it like went further up in the throat and started becoming this, like, I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can do it. Like a, <laughs> like a, like a, like a, if you like push the tongue up against the roof of your mouth, but in the way in the back. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thought you thought you were going to throw up there. All right. And so, so then it started doing that. And then one, one night we were reading a book at bedtime and I noticed him like, he's essentially just like swishing around a little bit of spit in his mouth. And now we're kind of at a point where it's a, a little bit of a combination of like all of these things. And if he's eating at the same time, oh, it's just a constant like barrage of mouth and throat sounds. And they're not even like particularly loud, but they're always there. Hmm. And I already have a little bit of that. There's a word. Hold on. Uh, misophonia. Which is a it's a it's a word that when you can't stand certain sounds, particularly somebody chewing uh-huh. and with all of these mouth sounds. And then he'll be like, Daddy, I want to sit next to you at dinner tonight. And I want to like, I want to sit next to you and put my mouth right next to your skull. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I want to gouge my eyes out. So I, I, you know, I love my son very much. And I'm sure these are just things that he's exploring for a period of time and maybe someday it'll stop. But man, it's really hard to get through a dinner. If it's like fingernails on a chalkboard, like, like that is sort of the universal, like I can't stand that, you know, or maybe like metal rubbing together or the, the fork squeak on a plate you know, the things that sort of send the hairs in the back of your neck, like up and just kind of make you like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. For me, it's a uh, styrofoam. Ooh, it's two oh, pieces yeah. of styrofoam oh, yeah. scraping against each other. Fingers on styrofoam. Ugh, it gives me the willies. So do yeah. you, do you, uh, have you addressed this with him? I sort of have, which I feel like pretty bad about because I don't want to point it out to him. Because then he'll focus on it sure. or he'll think like, oh, oh, I'm wrong for doing it or something like that. But there was one night where I was reading and he's just constantly swishing, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I, I was like, dude, hey, hey, are you what's going on? <laughs> he was like, and he's like, huh? Like, he doesn't know he's doing it. Yeah. At all. Uh, and I did point it out to him. I was like, oh, it's, it's, you're making a lot of sounds. I was wondering maybe are you like are you nervous are you upset are you to yeah. pee like what's going on yeah. and he was like no and I was like okay I'll just I'll just ignore it oh uh, it's funny yeah I just call it out now I don't you I do? don't worry about hurting feelings I just call it uh, out yeah I mean I wonder if it's I've had just to, I've as, walked away from certain instances to just like dude get over it yeah <laughs> you know I mean it might it may just be as simple as breaking the habit you know reminding yeah. him you know enough times that you know he doesn't become like focused on it but just yeah it interrupts the pattern yeah 
my nine-year-old is, um, she's never done a gymnastics course, but she's very into gymnastics and is constantly doing cartwheels and handstands and round offs and this and that. And she does it in the house constantly. And as she just, she'll just be standing in the kitchen, I'll be making dinner and she'll be just going up in a handstand and then back down and then going up in a handstand, trying to hold it longer and then back down, especially if I'm trying to focus on something and I just hear the thump and then hear, yep. see her in the corner of my eye doing it. I'm like, gotta gotta do it somewhere else you can't do that here <laughs> yeah you know, she'll out. do it onto furniture you know thumping the legs onto the couch and then coming back down i'll just be like gotta stop gotta stop can't do it here <laughs> <laughs> almost no matter what it is if it's like a constant thing you know it, exactly, yeah, it's, yeah. Like it's hard to keep up with and it's overwhelming it gives me anxiety yeah, yeah. give me five minutes of peace solitude well, those are things. Those, those are things. Those now. are things. That was that turned into a little bit of a duel. Yeah. That's a thing now. Good episode. I agree. Let's run through the outro, man. Hit it. Bullet number one is hey, thanks for listening to Modern Dadhood. Again, please, wherever you listen, consider subscribing, leaving a little rating or a review whether that's on Apple Podcasts or uh, Amazon, uh, Spotify, Pocket Casts. Is that still a thing? You'll find Modern Dadhood on any of them. All the platforms. Uh, And, you know, here's wherever you listen. Take a minute and tell a friend about uh, about the show. On our website, moderndadhood.com, you can also find every episode of the show, all 80-something episodes. I mean, we're getting up there, man. We're getting up there. On the website, you can also find T-shirts, Modern Dad hoodies, and uh, everything that you order ships with a free Modern Dadhood sticker. So, so get on that. Uh, there's also a form on the website where you can email us and uh, let us know what's up. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like for us to cover or guests who you think would be good to have on the show, we welcome those kind of solicitations. You can also email us directly at hey, H-E-Y, at moderndadhood.com. What about the socials, Mark? Well, you've got your, you've got your, the Facebook, Instagram, and the LinkedIn. There's also YouTube. You can see our faces talking to other faces uh, on YouTube. Thank you to Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Alby for making the music that is heard in Modern Dadhood. Thank you to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for making our episodes sound so awesome. You can learn about his uh, post-production, mixing, mastering services and his composing at redvaultaudio.com. Highly recommend checking out Pete and and, uh, Red Vault Audio. Thank you to Young Han, who uh, I consider to be a new friend, and I'm really looking forward to staying in touch with him. And I'm looking forward to you meeting him at some point too, Mark. Because he's a good uh, a good dad and a good dude to know. And uh, what's that last one that you always do? Oh, I'd like to say um, this episode has been brought to you by Misophonia. And you can't stand certain sounds. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>